1: Good morning. How many of you are feeling tired this morning? Show of hands. No? Yeah, some. How many of you are feeling very awake? Yeah, with your coffee and stuff. Awesome. Uh, well, as I was preparing for my sermon this week, uh, one of the things that I spent time looking through was how do different people deal with crises? And one of the sources that I looked up is the new found friend on our blog. Uh, and his name is called ChatGPT. How many of you know what ChatGPT is? (laughs) Everyone's like, Uh, but for those of you who are unfamiliar, ChatGPT is an artificial intelligence uh, chat box. Basically, whatever you type in uh, to the chat box, they will basically give you a, a response, an answer, and most of the time, it's pretty good. It's pretty helpful, unless you are... Typing in a PSLE question, which someone did and the answer was wrong, unfortunately. But other than a PSLE question, uh, most of the time it's pretty helpful. So I I typed in this question. I said, how do we deal with crisis, chat GPT? And this is what it says. It didn't give me one, it didn't give me two answers, but it gave me five, five. And I'm not going to go into the details of what it said, but this is the five broad ways we can deal with crisis according to ChatGPT. This is what it says. Number one, stay calm. Number two, seek support. Number three, focus on what you can control. Number four, take care of yourself. Number five, stay hopeful. Stay hopeful. I looked at it, I was like, wow, not bad, huh, your answer? Uh, Those online, please don't turn to chat GPT now. Please focus on sermon. (laughs) Stay hopeful, okay? But, you know, the last line of the response he gave me was what really shocked me, or rather what what got me thinking, wow, not bad. It says, by taking these steps, listen, we can learn to navigate crises with greater ease and resilience and emerge from them with newfound strength and wisdom. I was like, whoa, Jim, not bad. And so can you imagine if someone searched online how to deal with crisis and, and this is the response as a representation of what the world thinks on how to deal with crisis. You know, but as we know, when it comes to crisis in our life, it, it goes beyond the help that we can provide. If you look at the response carefully, it's very centered on the individual. And we know that the help that we need during crisis goes beyond ourselves and even goes beyond the help of our friends and family. So today, as we, as we look at the scriptures this morning, we're going to look at a better way, a better way than what ChatGPT has suggested. We're going to look at the, uh, not better way, but even the best way in terms of how we deal with crisis in our lives through the lens of Daniel this morning. I titled today's sermon as From Crisis Room to Throne Room. From Crisis Room to Throne Room. I believe today that God wants to bring you, for those here on site and those online, from your crisis room to His throne room of grace as we dive into His passage. But before we do so, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for all that You have done for us. Would You center us down right now? Remove every distraction. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts by the power of Your Holy Spirit so that Your Word may take root And bear fruit in our lives we give you praise and honor in jesus name amen as most of you know we are going through the book of daniel this year uh, as part of our series for 2023 and last week pastor sharon began a new section a pericope of 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 the book of daniel and she she began to introduce the this story that daniel was in of a brewing crisis A brewing crisis where King Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of Babylon, had a troubling dream that he had when he was sleeping. And as a result, it affected his whole being. And so he called upon his team of of, of wise men and advisors. And he told them, here's my troubling dream. Could you help resolve this issue? Now, in the usual manner in in the ancient Near East where, where a king has a troubling dream, uh, they would usually tell the dream to the team, and the team would interpret the dream accordingly. But in this particular case, King Nebuchadnezzar somehow decided, you know what, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You tell me the dream I had, and you interpret it. And of course, none of them were able to because there is no way they can figure out what that dream that the king had. But King Nebuchadnezzar was stuck in his ways. He said, You know what? Either you tell me what it is, or you will be executed, as seen in verse 6. And so we see Daniel here in a crisis because he's part of the team of the wise men, even though he wasn't consulted, along with his three friends. He was in a crisis where his life was at stake. So that's where we left off last week from the story. And the question that, that left us last week was what? is daniel going to do what is daniel going to do in the midst of a crisis where his life is at stake and so this week we are going to learn from daniel this morning two biblical principles in dealing with crisis in our lives where we can go from the crisis room to the throne room of his grace. so would you turn your bibles with me right now to daniel 2 17 to 24. Daniel 2, 17 to 24. The first principle we're going to learn from Daniel this morning is in order for us to move from the crisis room to the throne room of His grace, we entreat God in prayer. We entreat God in prayer. Look with me to verse 17 and 18. This is what it says. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy. From the God of Heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon, the word of the Lord. So, as mentioned just now, right after the crisis was told to Daniel, the first thing Daniel did was he quickly told the king's court to make an appointment to say, "You know what? Let the king know that in whatever time he chooses, I will let him know the dream," so that. Daniel that's the first thing that Daniel did. And then we see the scene move from the crisis room of the king's palace and now shifting away to now Daniel going back to his house where his three friends were. And now what was the first thing that Daniel did after telling his companions the crisis? What was the first thing that Daniel asked? Was it to make a plan? Was it to make a plan, you know, come out, sit together, make a roadmap, brainstorm? What could possibly be the dream that the king is troubled with? Did he do that? Or, or did, did Daniel ask them, to, you know what, let's pack up. Let's find a way out of Babylon and let's find a neighboring country to seek refuge. Did, did he ask them to pack up? No, verse 18, verse 18 tells us exactly what he did. He said he taught them to what? Seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Daniel didn't ask them to pack up. Daniel didn't ask them to plan, but Daniel got them to what? Pray. That was the first thing he did when they encountered the crisis of their lifetime. Daniel got them to pray. So we see that very clearly. He got them to pray. Now, the word here... Mystery, mystery in verse 18, it's used only actually in chapter 2 and once in chapter 4 verse 2. In the entire Old Testament, the, the word mystery used here is, is ras. Turn to someone next to you and say ras. It's, it's an Aramaic word uh, and, and, and the word specifically is used in the context of a dream. It's used specifically in the context of a dream, and it it refers to the content of that dream. Now, what's interesting is this, Ras is a mystery and a secret, and only can be uncovered by someone of a higher being, aka God Himself. So that's how the word Ras is used here, where the only way for, for this mystery to be uncovered is through the Lord through the God of heaven. That's why Daniel in verse 18 says, he calls them to seek mercy from the God of heaven. So we see, that's what Daniel asked them to do. The first thing he did, he had to entreat God in prayer. That was the first thing. That's the first thing that we can learn from Daniel and the first thing that he did as seen over here. And true enough, the God of heaven revealed This mystery as seen in verse 19, this is what it says. It says, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. It was revealed to Daniel. Only the God of heaven is able to reveal what is hidden. Can you see? Can you see this in the text? Now, as as we think about this, about the crisis that we face in life, sometimes we find ourselves either planning or packing up. Either we avoid the crisis or we try to figure out a way to take the crisis head on. As as you think about the crisis that you've experienced before, which do you usually gravitate towards? Do you usually quickly think of a way to resolve it or do you quickly find a way to avoid, escape the crisis? I will be the first to admit I tend to do that a lot more in the past where when faced with crisis, the first thing I do is let's tackle this head on. Let's find a way. All the different angles. Let's see how we can tackle this issue and resolve it. So much. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but what happens is when this takes over and takes precedence and priority over first bringing the crisis before God. So which do you usually do that in a crisis? And as we look at what Daniel did here, he didn't plan, he didn't pack up, he prayed. So, as we look at this, the mystery that was revealed to Daniel, you know, one of the things that we, the church, have been doing, have been focusing on this particular season is our 40 days prayer season. And we started in the first week of March. Uh, where we begin to call people to a special, sacred time of dedicated prayer. And we believe in this season, the leadership believes that, that God is calling us to an awakening, an awakening of our prayer life specifically. And you may be wondering, now, how, how in the world do I awaken my prayer life? What, what do you mean by awaken my prayer life? Well, just this week, our social media team have um, have put together a series uh, to look specifically at how we can awaken our prayer life practically. Okay, so on the screen right now, you would see five things. Now, this is not from ChatGPT. Don't worry. Okay, so these are some suggestions to help you get started. Number one, commit your day to the Lord. As you do so, you reorient and you see things from the perspective of God. As you do so, number two, send prayer to someone send prayer to someone when you do that you strengthen your prayer muscles and you you learn to see and discern along with your other community members number three remember remember the goodness the faithfulness of god in your life number four pray the scriptures you don't know what to pray tons of scriptures for you to pray Number four. Number five, journal your prayers. Journal your prayers. Because as you journal your prayers, you come to see how God's hand has been on you and with you throughout your life. You see how He answers your prayer, even though it might not be the way you thought He will, but He answered in ways in your wildest imagination. So these are five ways to begin awakening our prayer life this particular season, as we call everyone to pray. If you want to find out more details about this, it's all on our website, all on our social media platforms. You can take a look at it after service. For some of you, you are seasoned prayer warriors. You're like, I already do all this. There there are some other platforms for you to consider. Now, our church organizes a monthly prayer retreat. And on the screen right now, you can scan the QR code to find out more info. We organize silence and solitude uh, retreats every month. So if you want extended time with the Lord, you can check out their website. Or if you are a new believer, new to the faith, new to the Christian faith, and you're wondering, how do I even begin praying? What, what is this prayer thing that you talk about so much? Well, there are many courses, many options, but here's just one of many uh, from prayercourse.org. Uh, and it basically helps you to sets it helps you set the foundation of how do I pray? How do I, what does it mean to pray? Why do we pray? So, these are helpful tools that you can consider. So, whether you're a seasoned warrior, whether you are new to the faith, uh, there are many options for all of us here across the generations, across the diverse backgrounds, for us to awaken in our prayer life. Now, after all the things that I've just mentioned, if you say, yeah, uh, you talk so much, I think too many, too many things, I cannot commit, too much commitment, may I humbly suggest. Uh, A lower hanging fruit, a lower hanging fruit for you to consider for a a baby step. Will you consider coming for prayer and praise? Prayer and praise. Our church regularly hosts prayer and praise nights across our tree centers. Uh, And recently we had one just the first week of March uh, across our tree centers. So this one was at Woodlands, I was at Woodlands. So many came to pray together and, and to seek the Lord. Uh, as we move into a season of intentional prayer. So the next prayer and praise, if you think all the previous things I talked about were too many things, consider the next prayer and praise as the first step. Just come once to take a look. On the 7th of July, across our three centers. Uh, So for the timing and whatnot, you can stay tuned to our uh, social media platforms subsequently. So we see here, the first thing that Daniel did when he encountered crisis was he, what? He entreat God in Prayer together with his community. You know, it was uh, Leonard Rivenhill, an English evangelist, who once said this about prayer. This is what he says. He says, No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers but few agonizers. Many players and payers few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few restless. Many fierce, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. You know what happens when we come and we pray? We come before God, we entreat Him in prayer. It's like this jar over here. When faced with crisis, when we, are, when we first enter a crisis, this is what happens. It, it, it's, it's messy, it's chaotic, it's cloudy, it's muddy. We don't see anything. There's no clarity in the midst of the crisis. Like, what is going on? Out of the blue, this crisis appears. What is going on? But what happens, what prayer does for us is when we begin praying, When we entreat God in prayer, what happens in in crisis is that we begin to see greater clarity as we move from the crisis room to his throne room of grace, is that it becomes clearer. God becomes becomes to speak. He becomes becomes clearer in terms of what he's trying to do and say to us in every crisis because in every crisis of our lives, small or big, beyond the deliverance of that crisis. God is trying to teach us something through the crisis. Last week, Pastor Sharon talked about how there is a call for true repentance and deep dependence. And that's exactly what God is doing in every single crisis that we experience. What is God trying to say? What is God trying to teach me through the crisis? And the only way for us to know what is God trying to do and teach is when we allow the Lord the time and space, when we come before Him and we entreat Him in prayer and we come into the presence of the Almighty God, God begins to allow us to see clarity in the midst of the crisis that we're in. That's what prayer does. It brings us and it realigns us back to God. In the midst of the chaos and that's exactly what daniel did here and shows us this morning the first thing that we do in the midst of a crisis from moving from crisis room to the throne room is we entreat god in prayer but the second thing that we can learn from daniel right now is that we exalt god in praise we exalt god in praise look with me now to verse 19 the second half of verse 19 now after daniel received the vision what, what did Daniel do after he received the vision? Did he, did he go and tell his friends, guys, I got it. God has told me the vision. Let, let us look at it. Let us interpret it and get ready to meet the king. Did Daniel do that? Or did Daniel quickly write down on a piece of whatever wood that he used to, to take down the dream just in case he forgot? No. Verse 19 tells us exactly what Daniel did. Daniel then blessed the God of heaven. The first thing Daniel did was to praise God. He praised God right after he got the vision. That's exactly what Daniel did. And from verses 20 to 23, Daniel begins a a prayer of praise to God for who he is. For who he is. And verse 20, it says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. Here in verse 20, we see Daniel calling and saying, blessed be the name. Now, the word blessed be the name of God, the way it's being used here in the original uh, is this idea of a continuous, never-ending praise to God. That's what Daniel is saying here. May the praises of God be continuous, never-ending. And why? Because he recognised. The character of God, the character of God that is unchanging and unfailing. And as a result, when he prayed, when he began to see clarity in the midst of his crisis, he began to see that God has never changed. This is the God that I worship. How much bigger He is than the crisis I face in my life. That's what happened when we entreat God in prayer. And now we see Daniel exalting God in praise. And so we see from verses 21 to 23, Daniel goes on to praise God specifically, three attributes of God that he praises specifically. The first thing that Daniel praises God for is seen in verse 21. Verse 21, the first thing that he praises God for is the power of God, the power of of God. He praises God for Verse 21, this is what it says. He says, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. The Word of the Lord. Daniel recognizes that the most powerful ruler, the king of that day, King Nebuchadnezzar, even he was at the hand of God even the most powerful ruler of the day. Daniel recognizes that whatever era one is in, God has the power at His hands to dispose any kingdom if He so chooses. But of course, we know that God is not just a a powerful God. He's also a merciful, just, and loving God. And so Daniel recognizes that. Now, what does it mean for us then that God is all-powerful? Now, what that means is that in the midst of a crisis, whatever crisis that we face, we can know for a fact that God has the ability, the power to intervene and to deal with the crisis that you are faced with if He so pleases, if He so chooses. So in other words, for those of you here It may be in a workplace situation, you may be caught in in a situation where there's an unethical practice happening, for example, in your company, in your workplace, and you're afraid to speak up because you fear your job is at risk, your promotion is at risk. For those of you in school, there may be problems that goes beyond the help of your teachers. You feel a sense of helplessness. This morning, the Bible tells us in verse 21 that the God that we worship, the, the God that Daniel worships, is a God who is all-powerful. If he can change time and season, remove kings, and set up kings, how much more can he do so for your circumstance? Amen? That's the God that we worship, a God who is all-powerful. But not only is God all-powerful, the next attribute that Daniel highlights for us is that God is also All-knowing, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God. We look here in verse 22. This is what it says. It says, He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with Him. What Daniel is saying here is that whatever, every single thing, whether sit or unsit, in the deepest crevices of your heart, whatever that you lock it up, store and secure it, God knows. Your deepest, darkest shame, your greatest guilt, in the eyes of God, He sees it all. Not just that, God sees, also oh the helplessness. God sees the feelings, the emotions, the turmoil that you feel in the midst of your crisis. Even when no one else around you understands you. God knows. He sees and He understands your pain and your suffering. He sees the the stronghold in your life that is eating you up. He sees the the attempt of you trying to, to get out of this particular addiction, this thing that is displeasing to Him, and you feel you can't do it. You feel you keep going back into this vicious cycle. The Lord sees, the Lord knows. My friends, turn to someone next to you and say, the Lord sees. And so with that, we can have this confidence that the God that we worship is not an airy-fairy God, but a God who knows us better than Himself. That's why in Psalms 139, it tells us exactly what God says to us. He says, oh Lord, you have searched me. And knowing me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. That's the God that we worship. That's a God that knows it all. That's a God who sees. But not only does Daniel praise God for his wisdom, for his power. The third and final thing that Daniel highlights. In His praise is the revelation of God, God's revelation. Look with me to verse 23. This is what it says: "To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Now it's one thing for God to be all powerful and all knowing; it's another thing for God to be willing." to reveal his wisdom and might. Can you, can you see where I'm coming from? Not only Daniel praises God for his, his wisdom and power, but the willingness of God to share his wisdom and might. This is exactly what he says. You have given me wisdom and might. Now, notice this phrase, wisdom and might. At the start, I talked about chat right? And notice what the last phrase it used, that you'll have some form of a renewed strength and wisdom. You know, this is how the world desires strength and wisdom in the midst of crisis in life. That's what the world desires. But as we all know from the Scriptures this morning, Daniel tells us very clearly that wisdom and strength belongs to who? It belongs to God alone, as seen in verse 20 and in verse 23. And you know we see what happens when we entreat god in prayer and when we exhort god in praise we see the outworkings of it in the life of daniel himself we see that right at the start in verse 16 there was this audacity there was this faith in daniel where right after the crisis was told to daniel the first thing he said you know what tell the king i will let him know the dream yeah so can you see that audacity that he knows because he knows who God is, the God that he worships, that is bigger than whatever mystery that the king had, the God of heaven and earth has the answer. Can you see that audacity and that faith? And we see that once again in verse 24. At the end of verse 24, we see when when Daniel speaks to Ariok, the king's God, he says, bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Now, once again, we see the faith of Daniel. Now, it's one thing to receive the revelation of the dream and it's another to, to, to have the confirmation from the king. And even before Daniel actually even seen the king, there was this confidence and faith in God once again to say, whatever, the, whatever God has given me is exactly what the king needs to hear. Can you see the faith of Daniel? These are the fruits. Of what happens when in crisis, when we entreat God in prayer and when we exhort God in praise, the fruits of that is faith, deeper faith, deeper intimacy with God in knowing who He is, that regardless of what crisis that may come our way, It's not so much about the deliverance of the crisis because we know God can deliver. What's more important is what is God trying to teach us? What is God trying to show us in the midst of the crisis? That, my friends, is the more important thing that God desires of us. You know, God gave Daniel wisdom and might. You may be thinking and sitting there, he gave Daniel vision. I know vision. What am I talking about? I will not have this wisdom in mind. My friends, I want to let you know this morning that God has given us not a vision, He gave us a person. He gave us a person whose name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. You don't believe me? Let's look at 1 Corinthians one 1 Corinthians one twenty-four says this, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, listen this, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. My friends, this morning, God didn't give you a vision. He gave you a person, a person who lived a life, born as a human, lived a sinless life, was obedient to the point of death on the cross so that you and I can stand here and say, God has given me wisdom. God has given me power through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is what the truth tells us this morning, no matter how hopeless, no matter how helpless you feel in your crisis. Because God has given you, Jesus, the power and the wisdom. All you need in whatever crisis that you face, and this morning, as we reflect and we respond to the text that God has given us this morning, many of you here are going through different kinds of crisis, work issue, family issue, marriage issue, whatever issues and crises that you are facing or are entering one. The good news this morning is God has given you Jesus, the wisdom and the might that you so need. And in order for us to see that and to know that, we need to enter His throne room from the crisis room to His throne room of grace. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now. We're going to do that and and spend some time in response to Him. So often, we we rush off after service. Rush here, rush there. We bring that, that busyness into the life of our church. But this morning, I feel convicted that God desires to encounter you this very morning. We don't want to be rushing off, doing things, bringing the world into the church, into this holy sanctuary, this throne room. And right now, I'm going to give us some time as we move from the crisis room to His throne room of grace. And what happens when we do that is we begin to see, we begin to see the clarity The clarity of what God is trying to say what God is trying to teach to us in the midst of the crisis that we are facing and my friends the only way for us to do that is to give God the time and space to be in the presence to be in his presence God didn't just give us Jesus Christ as a model as an encouragement as a hope but Jesus Himself gave us the Spirit of God that's living in you and I for whoever choose to say, I believe and I make Jesus the Lord and Saviour. Romans eight twenty six, It tells us this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we sought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So right now, we're going to spend some time as the worship team leads us in this song. I want to give you some time for the Lord to minister to you, to encounter you afresh this morning, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. That as we, we hear the song, the lyrics being sung, let the Lord minister to you. And my friends, before we, we sing this song and we stand, before we do that, what happens that as we praise God, my friends, what happens when we praise God? It's not so much that the situation shifts, but how we view God shifts. And when we sing praises and when we exhort praises to God, what happens is that something happens in the spiritual realm. What happens is that the, the forces of darkness, the power of darkness, tremble at the name of Jesus when we praise God. And so right now, regardless of where you are at in the situation of your crisis, as we wait and give time and space for God, we allow Him to do that. And afterwards, we're going to sing and declare praises to God so that the power of darkness no longer have stronghold over us. Amen. So right now, would you stand to your feet? I'm going to give us some time for the Lord to minister to you as the worship team sings this song. And I'm going to come back for a response in a bit.
2: From no, of no mercy, where would I kneel but at this cross of grace? How great the love, how strong the hand that holds us, beautiful, so beautiful. There is a king, there is a king, who bore the stars of living. There is a son, who came in grace and truth. How great the love, that carries us to kindness, wonderful
1: this morning as we continue in the throne room of God some of you here are in the midst of a crisis and you feel a sense of helplessness and hopelessness the Lord this morning tells us that he has given you not a vision but a Savior Jesus Christ If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you that in the midst of the crisis that you face, that the Lord will help you to see who He is, unchanging, unfailing, and He will not do so right now. So if that's you this morning, would you lift your hands all across the room? If that is you this morning, I want to pray for you. Have there anyone? Yes, the Lord sees your hands across the room. Father, you see the that are raised this morning, we come before you in the throne room with fear and trembling, but at the same time, a sense of warm and praise because we worship a God all who is all-knowing, all-powerful, but all-loving as well. Lord, would you come? Reveal yourself to us in the midst of the crisis to help us to see what you are trying to teach us, what you are trying to grow us, so that through this, our faith, our intimacy with you will grow stronger will grow deeper so God help us this morning to do so pour afresh your Holy Spirit this morning oh Lord come come Lord Jesus so I pray for my dear brothers and sisters as they continue on in this crisis that they will not journey alone that you will find people along just like Daniel to pray with them so that through this crisis they will give all glory to you and look back and see how good, how faithful you have been, and how faithful you will be in my future crisis We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing the bridge Come on. Let's sing this together. God hear it.
0: to follow Jesus, carry our cross in times of crisis. In our prayerlessness, we ask that you empower us to lean on you, to run to you so that we will continue to pray like never before so that we that you would be our first resort and not our last option in life. That even in pain, we will still pray, we will still run to you. We will follow the footsteps of our Master Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And some of us here today, we need to pray your will be done in our pain, in the situation that we are facing. Thy will be done. And may your name be glorified in our lives. May you lift up your hands and receive the benediction of God. May you trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, may you acknowledge Him Run to Him, lean on Him, and He will straighten your path. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Please be seated. In this prayer season, we don't want to rush off. We want to spend the next few minutes reflecting on the questions shown on the slide. What is one way you can awaken your prayer life in this season? What is the Lord teaching you specifically about Him in the crisis you are or you were facing? For those of you who are watching the sermon in the online space, if you feel a stirring in your heart and would like someone to pray for you, do scan the QR code, fill up your details and we'd love to connect with you. See you next Sunday in the online sermon. God bless you. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.